Hello, babies. Hey, this is your boy, Uncle Jimmy. And I'm coming to you with your weekly Whitlock Mono Update. Now, this is the name that they gave this. And the more and more I think about it, that might rate right up under there with a coronavirus check. Your weekly Whitlock Mono Check. Sound like something you get listening to Whitlock too long. So, therefore, you all got it. Let's go. On Monday's show, we talked about Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 to join Bama and LSU in the SEC. That's going to be something for you fans to listen to. Check it out. See what's going on there. We're also going to talk about a little Nasty X's video and how we're all responsible for this downgrade in the music. Now, I said how we're all responsible for it. Jason said how we're all responsible for this downgraded music. He puts a twist on it, has only he can do, and oh, sweet black baby Jesus, you got to hear this, all right? All right, for those of us outraged by rapper Little Nas X's latest soft porn music video, here, we have no one to blame other than ourselves. We created Little Nasty X-Rated when we danced to Two Short's Freaky Tales shouted me so horny at the request of the two live crew. Co-signed Snoop Dogg's doggy style and rapped along to Little Kim and 50 Cent's Magic Stick. We spent 30 years defining black culture as an extension of hip hop's pornographic lyrics and celebration of prison life. <laughs> Little Nas X is simply holding a mirror his sexually explicit gay in prison video for the song Industry Baby is perfectly named. The industry birthed, nurtured, and is now hosting his coming out party. He is the industry's baby. The industry has reared millions of little Nas X's. They're not confined to our prisons and jails. Prison culture has been exported to mainstream society through music. The tats, the cornrows, the sagging pants, the crude language, the gladiator violence, and the sexual fluidity have all been normalized. Go listen to what we've been partying to for the past three decades. You thought No Vaseline was a diss track? Mm -hmm. You got the wrong D word. Try again. Little Nas X heard the message loud and queer. Listen to what he tweeted yesterday in a little back and forth he had with Dr. Boyce Watkins. Y'all be silent as hell when N-words dedicate their entire music catalog to rapping about sleeping with multiple women. Then Little Nas X continued, but when I do anything remotely sexual, I'm being sexually irresponsible and causing more men to die from AIDS. Y'all hate gay people and don't hide it." End quote. Nas X needs a better understanding of the adverb remotely. His latest video is more than remotely sexual. The video starts innocently. A black prosecutor accuses little Nas X of the crime of homosexuality. A black judge sentences the rapper to five years in Montero State Prison for being gay. Nas plays the role of judge, prosecutor, defendant, and jury member. From there, things turn quite sexual. Nas makes it rain and simulates doggy-style sex with his cellmate. 
There's a shower scene with Nas and a half a dozen naked inmates who appear to be auditioning for a remake of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation video. By normal standards, Industry Baby is more than remotely sexual. By today's rap music standards, the video is relatively plain, tame. It's not quite Cardi B's wet ass P word. The 2020 video and song of the year, according to BET, the BET Awards, the American Music Awards Song of the Year, and the People's Choice Award for Best Collaboration. The American entertainment industry has turned into Pornhub. Little Nas is the best new actor at the Adult Video News Awards. You know, the AVN Awards. I think Uncle Jimmy's been to those out in Las Vegas. Little Nas, he's Dana Plato, who rose to fame starring as Mr. Drummond's daughter, Kimberly, on the family-oriented TV show, Different Strokes. She ended her career doing porn. Little Nas X, became famous and attracted a cult following of young children with the innocent 2018 country rap song, Old Town Road. Three years later, his handlers unveiled him as a satanic icon with the song Montero, an ode to Nas's descending into hell to give Satan a lap dance. For anyone who missed the wicked symbolism, Industry Baby is the exclamation point. Little Oz X, like all commercial rappers before him, is here to promote immorality and degeneracy among young people. It's worth noting that Kanye co-produced Industry Baby. As is fashionable today, Little Nas cloaks his message in social justice reform. Oh, this dude is clever. Along with the Friday video release, the clever rapper announced he's joining forces with the Bail Project a nonprofit organization dedicated to ending cash bail. Social justice reformers argue that cash bail drives structural racism in our criminal justice system. Nas, in a statement said, it's personal. I know the pain that incarceration brings to a family, and I know the disproportionate impact that cash bail has on black Americans and the LGBT community. Let's bring people home and let's fight for freedom and equality. Once again, the LGBTQ agenda is framed as a black issue. It's by design. It's been in the making for 60 years. It's our fault. Talking about black men. We have been weak, malleable, materialistic, hedonistic, secular, and arrogant since the assassination of Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. We. We, us, black men, we created Little Nas X. Now on Tuesday, we all know Simone Biles had a meltdown. Well, not, not one to be outdone. Guess who else had a meltdown on Tuesday? Jason Whitlock. So therefore, what I would suggest that you all do, go to YouTube, go to the Blaze channel, and watch and listen to this for yourself to hear Jason and this meltdown involving Simone Biles. On Wednesday's show, it's part two of the meltdown. It carried on. Jason continues to talk about the Simone Biles controversy, and he just brings it all into the perspective of this whole this year's Olympics, okay? That's what's happening on Wednesday's show. Check it out. Cannot miss. Well, gotta hear it. All right. 
Simone Biles has uh, withdrawn from the all-around competition uh, that starts on Thursday as well. And she's doing this according to ESPN. Let's see. Gymnastics superstar and defending Olympic champion Simone Biles has withdrawn from Thursday's individual all-around competition at the Tokyo Games to focus on her mental well-being. Uh, how about focusing on your mental well-being before the Olympics? I thought that was the what the off-season was all about, focusing on your mental well-being and getting prepared for the Olympics. The Olympics is a little short, two, three-week competition. All of your stuff beforehand is leading up to that. But the USA Gymnastics uh, team issued a statement, USA Gymnastics did, after further medical evaluation, Simone Biles has withdrawn from the final individual and all-around competition at the Tokyo Olympic Games in order to focus on her mental health. We wholeheartedly support Simone's decision and applaud her bravery in prioritizing her well-being. Her courage shows yet again why she is a role model for so many. So it's now bravery to sign up for an event, get 10% into the event, quit, because all of like, the mental stress, that's now bravery. The people who fight through their responsibilities and live up to them, well, they're suckers. That seems to be the inference. But there's a bigger picture uh, to be drawn here and a bigger <sighs> lesson to be learned from all of this. I wrote about it in a column today uh, at TheBlaze.com. Uh, again, today I'm going more unscripted because this issue, I, I, I think, can't be scripted. My reaction can't be scripted. But I have written a column, and the column is about where I think all of this is headed and where sports has done a 180-degree pivot. Sports has never been perfect. Nothing in humanity has ever been perfect other than Jesus Christ. But sports was always a leader and was always ahead of the rest of society when it came to promoting racial harmony. Again, was sports perfect? No. Was it ahead of the rest of society? Absolutely. Was, sport, was sports ahead of the civil rights movement? Jackie Robinson, in 1947, he breaks the color barrier in Major League Baseball. But it's not just, that, it's what it spawned, it's what it sparked. That's what inspired the civil rights movement. And so sports has always been a leader in promoting racial progress and harmony. It's now going the other direction. And I've got a slogan for all the broadcasters at ESPN, at Fox Sports, all the activist athletes across the country, all the brand builders over social media. Here's a slogan. For, for that group of people. Make sports racist again. Oh my goodness.
They want sports to go back to the 1920s, the 1900s. They want it to go all the way back to when, again, you got to be somewhat of a sports historian, but Jack Johnson, when he was the first black heavyweight champion, he had a historic battle. They called it the fight of the century with uh, Jim Jeffries, the white, a white former champion. They basically brought Jim Jeffries out of retirement to take the title back from Jack Johnson. And everybody in America lined up on that issue across racial lines. Black people rooted for Jack Johnson, white people rooted for Jim Jeffries. That seems to be where all the athletes, where all the uh, broadcasters, where the, the sports media intelligentsia, they want us to go back to those days, that everything is color coded, that we put no thought into anything other than, oh my God, Let's choose sides, let's pick sides based on race. That's where we're headed. Has sports ever been perfect? No. Has sports, like the rest of society, been bothered, been uh, negatively impacted, been influenced by racism? Absolutely. Unfairness is a part of life. And it, but sports has always been ahead of the rest of society as it relates to race. That's why in the NFL, the top four, five, six players happen to all be black quarterbacks. And that's why the NFL, you know, oh my God, uh, the NFL's racist, but it's, it's never had more black quarterbacks, star black quarterbacks than it does right now. It's ahead of the rest of society. They're trying to drag sports back to the rest of us. They're trying to make sports racist again. They want it be like it was before Jackie Robinson integrated Major League Baseball. And now, <laughs> and this is where I really got into this today, just trying to explain what has happened. Everybody that sees the world through a racial lens is choosing the side on this Simone Biles situation based on race rather than the facts. Simone Biles quit. Everybody knows in sports, you don't quit. Remember when Vontae Davis, the Indianapolis Colts defensive back, he got to halftime of an NFL regular season game and retired. That was just a couple years ago, we ridiculed him. They laughed him out of the NFL. You don't quit in the middle of a game, in the middle of an event, and not get criticized. But because Simone Biles lives in this little pr protected space we've created for black people and black athletes, oh my God, everybody's in fear. If I criticize Simone Biles, I'm insensitive. If I criticize Simone Biles, I'm racist, or I'm a sellout. And so there's all this dishonest conversation going on about Simone Biles. All of the well-intentioned, uh, right side of history bigots are all pulling their breast out, trying to give Simone Biles some milk because she's a little baby seal. She's oh, this grown 24-year-old woman who's worth a ton of money, who's been celebrated for the last five, six years as the greatest gymnast of all time. She can't survive 
without us all bending over backwards and feeding her breast milk and okay, it's okay, Simone, and your mental health, and you, you have to protect your well-being. It's all BS, and everybody knows it. And the only reason why people are defending this crap is because she's black. And then there are the rest of us who are like, hey man, my sport, there are codes of conduct. There are principles that we try to follow in sports. I've seen people, someone tweeted like, Michael Jordan retired on the Bulls, uh, you know, in his 20s or early 30s and went and played baseball. He quit, no he didn't. He changed sports in the middle of his career. In the off season. It wasn't in the middle of a Bulls playoff run. It wasn't in game three of the NBA Finals. Oh, I'm out of here, guys. Mid-game. Guys, I can't go on. He didn't do what Scottie Pippen did. He didn't there take was a game off. Yeah, there was a reason why we ridiculed Scottie Pippen when, when Phil Jackson drew up the last play for Tony Kukoc and, and Scottie Pippen refused to go in the game. Mm-hmm. That's not what Jordan did. There's a difference between, hey, the offseason, you know what? Because that's what Simone Biles should have done. During the offseason, she should have announced, you know what? I'm mentally stressed out. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not going to the Olympics. I'm going to clear space on the roster for someone else to have the opportunity of a lifetime that I enjoyed five years ago and vaulted me to fame and fortune. I'm going to create the space for somebody else to do it. Instead, she selfishly has taken up a spot on the Olympic team, and she's not willing to live up to her responsibilities. That's all that's happened here. This whole protection of my mental health, do that at home. You don't gotta fly to Japan to protect your mental health. You can do that at home. With mom and daddy, you can suck on their breasts rather than all these people in the media and all these people over Twitter and all these former athletes all siding up with you simply because of your skin color because they know damn well if they were white, they would be calling you out. This has been the tradition. This is a choke job. When people choke in sports, they get called out. When Tony Romo dropped the field goal snap in a 2007 playoff game, nobody was, oh my God, his mental health. Oh, I wonder if he's in the right headspace to be catching an extra point snap. We lit Tony Romo up. I'm not even saying it's the right thing to do, but that's what we did because that's what we do in sports. When our great athletes fail, we hold them accountable. When Bill Buckner blew allegedly the 1986 World Series when a ball slipped through his legs, did we make a bunch of excuses? Were we worried about his mental health? When Chris Webber called a timeout in the NCAA title game, this is a black athlete, when he called a timeout, he can't live it down now. Tom Brady just did it last year, thinking it was a fourth day. Well, I don't remember that, but. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady just did it last year, thinking he was on four, had four days. Look, I'm this Olympics, and I said this yesterday, but man, I slept on this last night. The entire thing, we've turned it into the racial victimhood Olympics, and it's starring Simone Biles, Shakari Richardson, 
uh, Gwen Berry and Naomi Osaka. Black girl tragic. That's what this whole Olympics is about. The failure and the excuse making, the failures of these female black athletes and the level of excuse making we keep going to, to, to try to cover up their irresponsibility and failure. How much more irresponsible could you be than Shikari Richardson? Qualify for the Olympic team, know you gotta take a drug test. A, a, a drug test is one of the easiest things to beat, particularly when it's just marijuana. She couldn't even do that, and then rolls out the excuse, oh, my biological mother died, and I just heard the news. And so I had to smoke weed. And again, just like I said at the time, there's a reason why they keep putting that biological in the description. Because when I talk about my mama, I don't say my biological mama. I say my mama because my mama raised me. Because my mama didn't fold or quit when the stress got too hot. She's not my biological mama, she's my mama. So what I'm saying, this ain't even Shikari Richardson's mama or they wouldn't be putting that biological in the description. And this whole thing, oh, well, of course she had to smoke weed. Of course she turned to drugs. There was nothing else she could do. What was she to do? And then they, uh, the Gwen Berry. Mm -hmm. Everybody know damn well she ain't gonna do a damn thing at the Olympics, so she makes a fool of herself and a spectacle of herself, attention at the altar. Well, I didn't make it. Anyway, reaching for attention at the Olympic trials Puts, pulls a, uh, they set me up, pulls a t-shirt over her head and 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 all that, they set me up playing the national anthem, blah, blah, and everybody making excuses for her. Acting like this is okay. These women have been radicalized and they're out of control. It's not just them, it's all of us that have been radicalized by social media and are out of control. And they're all, the message is, but oh my God, being black is so hard and so stressful. You can't expect great things from them. You can't hold them responsible for doing what they're supposed to do. Don't you know, they're baby seals. They can't be held accountable. We must stuff their mouths with our breasts and pour white and chocolate nourishing milk down their throats. That's all they can handle. These are helpless people. Are you good with that? I'm not. I'm not helpless. I'm not a baby seal. Neither is Simone Biles. The only reason why she's acting like one is because we have allowed it when we had standards and there were consequences for bad behavior and for irresponsibility. People acted more responsible. But now that we've given everybody the excuse, oh, just play the mental health card. You're stressed. You don't have your weed. You don't have your anxiety medicine. You can't, uh, the stress is just too hard. Everybody goes to that card. You give, a, you give a kid a rope, he's gonna wanna be a cowboy. You, you give people an inch, they're gonna take a mile. And that's what we've done.
we will excuse anything. And 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 the number one, you, how did we go from John Kennedy standing before the world in a celebrated inauguration speech saying, "Ask not what you what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country." To this mentality we have now, do whatever the hell you want. Screw your country. If you want to make the Olympic teams because Nike and everybody's pouring money into you and this is good for your brand and endorsements and value and you can make as much money as you want, even though you really don't want to be there because that is what Simone Biles is screaming. If she has a mental health problem, it's because she's tired of being an Olympic athlete and she should have quit during the off season. Maybe the one year delay of this Olympics was one year too many. Maybe she had it made up in her mind this will all be over in 2020. And then COVID happened and now it's like that extra year. And maybe it's just a, a bridge too far. I don't know. But she had plenty of time and opportunity to bail on these Olympics. She got, if she wasn't all into it, she had a year, an extra year to say, you know what, I don't want to do, I don't want to go to Tokyo, and I damn sure don't want to go in July when it's 130 degrees over there. Do that. That would have been brave. Bailing on your teammates, claiming, oh God, this is so stressful. I can't take it. Nothing brave about this. And, and uh, I'm going to go back to what I said yesterday. Jackie Robinson. He opened the doors for Simone Biles and all of these athletes, particularly black ones, to make all kinds of money, have fame and fortune, notoriety, and improve things for their family. You think he wasn't under some stress? Oh, what? Oh, God, the mental stress is too tough. I can't take this Major League Baseball stuff. They don't like me. Thank God he didn't have that mindset. Thank God Hank Aaron didn't have that mindset. You think he wasn't under some, some threats, some stress, when he chased down Babe Ruth and hit home run number 715? Have you read the stories? Do you know what not know what kind of pressure he was under? Did he fold? Did he quit? Absolutely not. And now we're, you can't be great. This country can't be great under this new standard of behavior we're setting up in this society. One, the standard is choose sides totally based on race. And two, oh, the going gets tough, the tough quit. That's brave, it's tough, I quit. Somebody, I'm, there's a hell of a documentary on Amazon Prime. I think it's called America, This Is Us. It walks you through all the incredible things Americans, black and white, Chinese, Latino, black, brown, yellow, white, what we all did to make this country great. The, the Chinese people that helped 
blow up and dig holes through mountains so we could have highways and bridges and uh, roads and 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 uh, dams run water through. I mean, it's just incredible what people did to make this country great. The workers that built that built skyscrapers and fell to their death, many of them. The Revolutionary War, the Civil War, all these incredible sacrifices people made and didn't fold. Oh, stress. We did incredible things in this country, and now the very people enjoying the benefits of those struggles want to throw it all away. And, and we want to popularize this or, or celebrate what Simone Biles has done as some sort of brave act that should be applauded. And other kids need to know that, oh God, if you signed up for a team and it gets stressful, quit. This is a joke. Now on Thursday, stick with me on this because you're not going to believe this. Jason's going to go bigger picture, okay? He's going to go. The, he's going to give you the bigger picture on sports, and he's going to give you a little twist on how he feels things have changed so fast in this country. Personally, bro's just getting old, okay? But that's just me. I want to go much bigger picture. I, I, I want to. I don't want to reduce it just to Simone Biles. We, we've done that. The the U.S. gymnast who uh, quit on her team on Tuesday during the team competition and has subsequently withdrawn from the all-around competition. An American young lady won that earlier today or this morning or late last night, won the all-around competition. But Simone Biles has quit under the pretense of mental stress, and we've talked about that uh, for the past couple of days. But I think there is a much bigger and broader point to be made, Uncle Jimmy. I, I think that <laughs> I, I think what's gone on with Simone Biles and America's reaction to it has indicated a level of change in American culture just overnight. And and one of the and I'm going to sound like an old person, and and you know what, I'm guilty of it. But things are changing too fast in this country, and. I look at what, what's gone on in terms of our mentality about quitting. There was no bigger crime you could have in sports than quitting. The worst, the worst name you could be called is a quitter. And just a couple years ago, Vontae Davis, a cornerback for the Colts, quit at halftime or retired at halftime of an NFL game, and everybody ridiculed him. Everybody did. Yes, we did. And uh, now here we are two years later. Simone Biles gets to the biggest stage, perhaps on the planet. I, I don't know what event, you know, some, maybe the World Cup rivals uh, the Olympics, but I don't think it does. Uh, the World Cup is a global stage 
and America's premier athlete, the face of these Olympics, the person we've been calling the GOAT of gymnastics and maybe, you know, up there in the contention for the GOAT of Olympic sports, quits and says that uh, it, it's mental stress and everybody here in America is showing her an incredible amount of support and appreciation. We've had the CEO of the U.S. Olympics, you know, said it was a selfless act that her walking out on her teammates, saying she can't go on. A selfless, she didn't say it was a selfish, a selfless, L-E-S-S, a selfless act. Okay. The U.S. Uh, gym, gymnastics team put out a statement calling it bravery and courage. And all celebrities from Justin Bieber to Michelle Obama to everybody is, oh my God, what? Well, both uh, of them have won gold medals. <laughs> what Simone Biles has done has been incredible. But look, there's athletes, everybody. Our mentality on quitting has changed overnight. In 48 hours, the worst thing in the world you could be is a quitter. Now, if you play the, well, just too stressful, and I gotta protect my well-being. If you play that card, now it's an act of bravery, now it's an act of selflessness, now it's an act of courage. And so, just overnight, boom, quitting is no longer a big thing. And I couldn't think of something that was more attached to American values, Americana, then we never quit. That, that was like our mantra. That was like something that defined us. And, and other things that have defined us, like that play into the lack of quitting is like, <clears throat> we're a society that other societies, particularly over in Europe, say, oh, America, all they care about is work. They work too hard over there. And these 40-hour work weeks and five-day work weeks and you know, no built-in vacations or, or month-long, because in, in some of these European countries, you know, you get six, eight weeks, three months worth of vacation time, and they're, oh, yeah, we need to be more like that. And they have four-day work weeks, and yeah, we need to be more like that. And they spend more time connecting with each other and doing, and we need to- thousand dollars a year, too. We need to do more, we need to be more like that. That's the narrative. And, and so, this quitting and oh my God, take care of your well-being. Even if you've poured your life into this, even if other people are counting on you, take care of yourself, just chill. That seems to be the new mentality that we're trying to foster here in America. And it's almost like we don't want the responsibility of being the world's leader. We want to surrender that to China. Mm. Because I guarantee you this, Chinese athletes, I don't think they're, oh, you know what, this is too stressful. Let me quit. Uh, China is, wants to ascend to where America is, and we here in America seem to be saying, we're good with that. We're now celebrating quitting. and. I want to point to some other things that suggest we have gone too far with this quitting thing or, or just with this change, this rapid pace. I've seen nothing change quicker than what we just did on this quitting deal because, again, we, we got a whole new perspective on that 
and I, I, I've seen nothing like it. But other things are changing just as rapidly. George Floyd, and, and this will sound like an exaggerated thought, but I, I actually believe it. George Floyd is more revered than George Washington in modern American culture. This has just happened overnight where you can be an ex-con, a paroled felon, a paroled violent criminal, and as long as in your resistance of arrest, the police kill you, and as long as the cop is white and you're black, you can become an instant hero worthy of statues, murals, memorials. You're celebrated in black history and American history as if you were George Washington. George, Wa George Washington was a slave owner. He was racist. We, can't, we can no longer celebrate him. The founder of our country, the guy that uh, helped us win the Revolutionary War. The Maybe George Washington Carver. <laughs> Maybe George yeah. Washington Carver. Maybe, but we can't... I, I'm just... The cultural change in terms of like... People that we've celebrated as good are now bad, and people that we thought were bad are now good. Mm. That's happened overnight. I'm, I'm gonna give you another one, and, and it, it's, it's, we, it's, it's an overnight change, this whole blowing up of the nuclear family, and that any kind of non-traditional family is now seen as better than, than the nuclear family. The Alphabet Mafia has won that war, and it's been, I, I gotta say, that was a long war, but they won it instantaneously. We changed on that. And, and we, anytime you put a television, you turn your TV on to see commercials, they're gonna show you uh, non-traditional nuclear families as best they can. Because overnight, we've changed. The traditional nuclear family, outdated, and it takes a village, and everybody, there's, <laughs> it's just unbelievable that instantly we've changed on that issue. I'm gonna give you the biggest one. Jesus and Christianity, you say those words, woo, they're coming for you. You're better served talking about Allah and Islam than Jesus and Christianity in this country. We changed on that virtually overnight. We have become a very emotional and feelings-driven nation. Great nations are contemplative and reflective, and they move very deliberately. This nation right now Everything is emotion-driven, everything is feelings, and the people actually in control of America are in Silicon Valley. They're punching in all the information that we're reacting to. America is being treated like a, a, a country that's a computer, and we're being forced to operate with speed and precision like a computer, but the people punching in the data and information are irrational, emotional kids in Silicon Valley 
these new billionaires and millionaires and the tech people that are in control of the country, they're punching in the information. And I'm, my contention is America is malfunctioning. What we're looking at across the board is America malfunctioning. Bad information, bad data, emotion is being shoved down the American system. And we're spitting out emotional, very quick, rapid, decisive decisions that instantaneously change our culture. And we seem to be good with this. We seem to think this is healthy. We seem to think that everything we've done here in America has been dead wrong. And if we don't change things instantly, we're going to get either left behind or we're going to be or, or history is not going to remember us properly. This gen- if we don't rebuke, it's a good word, everything that we did to become the greatest country in the history of the planet, if we don't rebuke all of that instantaneously, we're going to be on the wrong side of history. Therefore, we must change in the moment right now. And I'm just technology. My overall point is technology is killing us. We got these little smartphones in our pockets and in our hands and our heads are tilted down looking at it. And that smartphone and some some hackers in Silicon Valley are in total control of this country. And everything about this country is changing at rapid speed. You can't institute these kind of changes this quickly and have them be good. This is the, the United States of America is the biggest ship that's ever been in the ocean. And we're trying to make it do a 180 degree turn in just a few seconds when it, it should take decades, if not centuries, to make the kind of rapid turn that we're trying to make here in America, or that we're being forced to make here in America. And so I'm not trying to, Simone Biles is just a little child, child, she's 24, 24, grown woman, but to me, she's a child. I'm making her bigger than what she is, but she's just a symptom of this larger problem we have here in America, that our cultural norms can be changed on a whim and our cultural norms can be changed on emotion and sympathy and empathy and whatever little emotional feeling they've made us feel at the time. If they can come up with a video to make you think, oh my God, America's racist. Did you see what Karen did in Central Park? She, she questioned a black man or called the police on a black man who was walking his dog or whatever. She was walking her dog, whatever it was. Whatever little button they can push to make you emotional. You know what we need to do? We need to make laws against Karen. I mean, literally, this was going on. There were things, Karen laws being passed or being proposed around the country. The, the, the whole, we're just now waking up to the fact that our academic institutions, our educational system has been programming our kids to hate America. 
this, that's been going on for a long time, but we're now seeing the results of it in this era. They've set the table for dramatic cultural change. And I, I'm just sorry, we need to sit back and think about what it is we're doing, who's pushing our buttons, who's really wants this sort of dramatic, instantaneous change in the greatest country the planet has ever seen. I obviously believe, and you've heard me say it, it's China. They're not instituting these kind of changes overnight. They wanna be us. They're still committed to working hard and never quitting and never giving up. We're not. The sports world just changed on a dime. Anybody that has some sort of excuse, oh God, I just don't feel good today. Quit. Just, just quit. I mean, every, and it's personal to me and I told the story today in a column I wrote. I quit my college football team in 1989, and it's the biggest mistake I made in my life. And I had justifiable reasons for doing it. In 1988, played on a great team, started every game. Uh, we flirted with being a top 25 team. I think we got up to, we were like 30th in voting. We started 6-0. I played that year with a torn ACL that our team doctor had misdiagnosed or improperly diagnosed. When the season was over in 1988, I went to my own doctor who happened to be uh, the team doctor for the Indianapolis Colts. He doubled as our high school team doctor. He's an orthopedic, one of the best in the country. I went to him, he diagnosed my ACL tear in five minutes. I was so bitter and irritated and felt like I had been taken advantage of. I said, I'm not gonna come back and play my fifth year at Ball State. It's one of the Biggest regrets in my life. And look, you could, I didn't like our head coach. I, I didn't like the way I was treated. I certainly didn't like what went on with my knee. I felt justified in quitting. I was wrong. One of the biggest regrets in my life. We won the Mid-American Conference Championship in 1989 without me. Two of my best friends, Frank Barnes, Ralph Wise. I let those guys down. And even though they went on and won, I still, I let those guys down. I let all my teammates down by quitting. And trust me, many of my teammates ribbed me, still ribbed me to this day about it. I deserve it. But that America is now gone. What I did would now be seen as justified and oh my God, uh, Ball State and everybody there is racist and unfair and they exploited you, Jason, and thank God you weren't a sucker and, 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 and quit. And there was a time when I thought that way. But trust me, over the course of my life, it's one of my biggest regrets. I think about it all the time. Should have been on that team. Should have been out there with my friends, developing those lifelong memories. And on Friday's show, in case you don't know, Russell Westbrook was traded to the Lakers to join LBJ. And that does not stand for Lyndon Bain Johnson. It stands for LeBron, sweet black baby, James. Or should I say LeBron, sweet black baby, Jesus, James. Hmm, that's pretty good. Got a little ring to it, don't it? <laughs> man, don't tell him that. He'll try to trademark it. Now take that off, man. I said it, not him.
The LeBron James-Russell Westbrook marriage has a chance to rival some of Hollywood's all-time great bad marriages. Last night, the Lakers ditched a quarter of their roster to pair Westbrook with King James. This basketball shotgun merger could be right up there with Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee's three-year marriage. You remember I that? Do not want, I do not want to see the Oh, no, you remember that? That ended, not want, that ended. I saw him drive the boat with no hands. Yeah. That would scare anybody. That marriage ended after three years, after just three years. Tommy. And Tommy did six months in jail. Anyone remember Kenny Chesney? Marriage four months stint with Renee Zellweger? They had different objectives and quickly called it quits. She was a ginger, a wasn't few she? Months, huh? She was a ginger, wasn't she? I, not, yeah, a little bit, maybe. Okay, quick, they they had different objectives. Okay. I could see James and Westbrook splitting a few short months into the new season over different objectives. Yeah, LeBron wants to win, and Westbrook wants to keep padding his damn stats. This marriage is just a bad idea. After exiting the playoffs in the first round, I understand why the Lakers feel they need to upgrade the roster around their aging superstar, LeBron James, and their injury-prone superstar, Anthony Davis. You but said LeBron is sagging. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But acquiring Westbrook from the Washington Wizards, that's just a bad move. That's just the wrong move. Uncle <laughs> I'm going to be like, I'm not I was about to say something in the yeah, Westbrook, he's not a winner. He couldn't win it all with Kevin Durant and James Harden in Oklahoma City. Westbrook and his ball-hogging style cost Durant and the Thunder a 3-1 advantage in the 2016 Western Conference Finals Forgot against that. the Golden State Warriors. In the aftermath of that collapse, Durant defected. He fled to Golden State just to get away from Westbrook. That's bad. Westbrook then reimagined himself as the modern-day Oscar Robinson, new triple-double king. That's like me, where I became the new triple cheeseburger king at Wendy's. Anyway, Westbrook won an MVP, partnered with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, and he still couldn't win in the postseason. He then jumped to Houston, reconnected with James Harden, and he still couldn't win in the postseason, Uncle Jimmy. It's amazing. Westbrook then moved to Washington, D.C., partnered with Bradley Bill, and guess what? He still couldn't win in the postseason. Russell, Russell Westbrook, Westbrook had more jobs than you. Go ahead, keep going. I'm sorry. Russell man. Westbrook is a loser. Plays with the wrong energy, particularly given his position as a point guard. Westbrook plays angry and surly. Basketball is a game of joy, especially for the guy tasked with getting everyone involved. That's what point guards do. LeBron James, he's a joyful competitor. He plays with the same kind of energy as Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas. The great playmakers, they wear a smile that tempers the fire within. Westbrook, he's all temper. He plays with the fire of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, angry, single-minded, scoring assassins. Unfortunately for Westbrook, he lacks Jordan and Kobe's skill and self-awareness, and those guys played shooting guard. Their mentality fit the position. Westbrook plays dumb. He reminds me of Hollywood's dumbest celebrity husband and marriage. Jimmy, I'm gonna date some people, but you should get this reference. It's Jerry Lee time. Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh. That's who Westbrook reminds me of, the rock and roller who could have been bigger than Elvis Presley. He married his cousin. 
Lewis became a star in 1956 when he recorded and released the song, Whole Lot of Shaking Going On. Whole Lot of Shaking Going On. Don't you ever do that again. Follow that up with the mega hit, Great Balls of Fire. You heard of Great Balls of Fire. It's the song of a man who got crabs. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) See, I shouldn't have made that Magic Johnson Connor joke. It's done set you loose. In 1957, at the age of 22, Lewis was the equal of Elvis Presley. Lewis then married his 13-year-old second cousin, Myra Gale Brown. Marriage torched his popularity and his appearance fees for live performances. Just like Russell Westbrook, Lewis had to reinvent himself. He turned to a country music star where audiences were more forgiving of his Louisiana-inspired taste in women. Lewis eventually married seven different times. I mean, he married seven times. Let's see. Did he Russell run out of cousins? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. But just think about just think about West, Russell Westbrook. Westbrook has been married to Kevin Durant. He's been married to James Harden. He's been married to Paul George, Bradley Beal, and now. Triple Double King is getting hits to LeBron James. But ain't none of them his cousin. Come on, man. <laughs> Westbrook, I got some fine-ass cousins. But I'm just saying, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Look, Westbrook is the great basketball of fire. I like that. I, I see like what that. you did there. Okay. He burns down every hoops relationship he enters. He incinerates teammates, fans, and reporters. He's just too damn angry. And in 2019, he scolded a small child for touching him during a game. Where? Same year, he beefed with a Utah Jazz fan and accused the fan of using a racial slur. For years, he feuded with Daily Oklahoman columnist Barry Trammell, one of the nicest guys in sports journalism. I'm just telling you, Westbrook, angry guy. LeBron is marrying the Liz Taylor 2.0. It's a mistake. It looks good on paper. Liz always looked good. The Lakers need another playmaker. Westbrook can play off the ball as LeBron serves as Los Angeles' primary ball handler. Sounds great, sounds good. Everything about Westbrook sounds good. He plays hard every night. He's also an emotional roller coaster every night, particularly at crunch time. He's unpredictable and a poor decision maker. Plus, the pressure dynamics are all wrong in in this shotgun marriage. The pressure to win next season needs to be on Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. Now, the most pressure will be on Westbrook. His career legacy will be on the line. His stats fooled many of us into believing he was the second coming of the Big O. Westbrook is really a mix of Dominique Wilkins, Nate Archibald, and George McGinnis. You recognize all their names? Nate Dominique Archibald. Wilson, Dominique uh, uh, Wilkins. Of course not. Come Peter on. Archibald, Come George on. McGinnis. Come on, man. The Iceman. That's the Iceman. No, that's not the George. That, you think of George Gervin. George McGinnis played for the Pacers. Big muscular dude. Played bully ball. He wasn't the dude that killed everybody? No. That's no. The, that, George, George, anyway. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Westbrook is the human highlight film who plays like a tiny Big Mac. See, that's a play. You got one more time to that's throw a, a food reference into this monologue, Jason. Oh, these are all, they're playing. They call George McGinnis Big Mac. Nate Archibald was tiny. Dominique was the human highlight reel. You see how I put all that together? Okay, man. You see, that's why they paid me the big one. And I get it. That was good. I gave it to you. Go ahead, man. He's not, Westbrook is not one of the NBA's top 50 players of all time. 
is a nice little interesting gimmick. He'll be desperate to disprove that narrative all next season. It's gonna make it impossible for him to control his emotions. He's backed into a corner. It will be an initial honeymoon period, and then he'll revert to his old habits at a critical moment and cost the Lakers a chance to win it all. The Lakers will be a great ball of fire. See how I stuck that landing? You, you did that. Hey, listen, this is Uncle Jimmy from Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Hey, go to that YouTube channel. Go to YouTube with Jason Whitlock. Hit that like. Hit that subscribe button. Hurry up and hit the like button right now before it gets illegal to hit the like button and say that you like Jason Whitlock, okay? Okay? And also, go to the Twitter, at WhitlockJason, on the Twitter. Um... Anyway, I don't know what else y'all want me to say, but uh, we'll see y'all back on Monday. Love you like play, cousin. Mm, I should see you like a holler.